Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another coffee chat. Uh, this morning, our coffee chat is actually not international. It is in the United States, and I'm being joined today by uh, Amanda Scotese from Chicago. Hey, Amanda, how's it going? Hey, it's great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so Amanda and I have known each other, gosh, long time. What, 15 years? More than that, probably. Probably about that, yeah. Yeah. So we're both uh, Rick Steves tour guide alumnus, and uh, Amanda also was a tour guide in Italy, uh, as I was in the past. And uh, now she has evolved, as we're all evolving, into running her own tour company. Uh, and she runs a tour company in Chicago called Chicago Detours. Uh, and you basically took the skills that you had as a tour guide in Italy, and you turned them into something that you could do all the time in the United States. And uh, how long have you been doing that for? 10 years. It's been wow. 10 years. Yeah. Um, a, a, a decade. Uh, this was our very odd 10 uh, year anniversary year. So. Dang. That's yeah. great. I didn't realize it had been that long. Jeez. <laughs> time, time flies when you're both having fun and working hard, right? Yeah, absolutely. So how are things in Chicago right now? Um, it's, uh, you know, um, it's actually something that's been great is that we, I mean, but also a little weird is that we haven't had snow really quite yet. So it's been sunny and, you know, being able to be outdoors during these times is really helpful. Um, you know, as far as, uh, the pandemic world is concerned, um, and I mean, yeah, as far as things are going in Chicago, I guess like we're all kind of in this virtual world of sorts. So it feels a little bit less specific to Chicago than anything else. Um, you know what? I figured out how I can make this live on the Chicago Detours page. Cool. So I'm just going to share this um, uh, real quick. Um, Amanda, cool. I, I've, I've admired you from afar because I think you and I are pretty much the the people that I can't think of many other people who uh, used to work at Rick Steves who have kind of become tech savvy and started our own businesses and done all that kind of stuff. So we're kind of the, the entrepreneurs, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, I, um, I kind of, uh, it, it surprises me because I feel like it's such a, to be a tour guide with Rick Steves is a very um, independent kind of job. Um, so, uh, I mean, I guess, you know, if you think about it also, there's uh, Steve McPhillamy is quite the entrepreneur. Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got a new hotel now in Switzerland. So he, he's oh, got, wow. all right. Switzerland. A, yeah. Burgeoning, uh, hotel empire. So yeah, yeah, there are a few of us. There's, there's a handful of people who have sort of started their own, um, businesses as yeah. with, with the things that they learned. So just to kind of go back to the beginning, what brought you to Italy in the first place? Well, I'm Italian American, as one can see by my last name. Um, and I actually never really knew my Italian grandfather. He passed away when I was one, but my dad always told me about him and it always felt like it was a part of my identity. Uh, my grandfather was an immigrant from Southern Italy and uh, you know, it really all started when a friend of mine uh, I think I was like 18 or 19, a friend of mine had gone to Italy and she just was like, you would love it. I know you would love it. And she never really said that about things. And, and I was like, okay, I got to figure out how to do this. So took my first trip to Europe. And the wild thing is, uh, so my friend had planned for us to uh, do a, uh, like a two week trip around Europe. Um, and we did the Eurail pass and whatever. And Italy was going to be our last stop. And I had actually applied for a travel scholarship that I had gotten to do a one month long uh, language course in Florence. And the whole trip in Europe was awesome. And then all of a sudden when I got to Italy, it was a completely different feeling. And I was completely just at home and in love with the country and everything. I mean, it was seriously, I got off the train and there was, I was getting like a water from a, a bar and um, which of course a bar is where you just like get coffee and whatever. And 
there was all this chaos around me and people, I didn't know what anyone was saying, but I was just completely enraptured. And so from that moment, I loved Italy and committed to learning the language. And that's, that's basically how I uh, started my love affair with the country of Italy. Yeah. And how long were you a guide there for? Um, I worked, well, so I actually worked with other companies before I worked with Rick Steves. I started my tourism career with Elder Hostel, which is now called Road Scholar. They are like an umbrella organization and they have all these local uh, providers for tours all around the world. And I was employed by a company that was based in Hartford, Connecticut. And that I just random that randomly got hired uh, when I was still in college. And so I worked uh, for a summer with them and started my tourism career in Matera, Italy, uh, which is in the region of Basilicata in Southern Italy. I know you know this, but- Wow, just Matera, and that was a long time ago. So that must've been way before tourism had any clue down there, right? It was, we were the first American tour group to come to Matera. Wow. We had the mayor joining us for meals and it was just after Matera had gotten the UNESCO World Heritage Site designation. So that was fascinating. Um, and then, uh, so I, I, I did that for a summer and then um, graduated from college and everything. And then uh, right when I wanted to get back into tourism, I applied to a few different companies Rick Steves being one of them. And I also got hired by a sort of, it was like a study abroad program for high school kids. So like very wealthy children um, who got to go away to Italy for a summer. And I did that on the Amalfi Coast. And that was actually right as I got hired with Rick Steves. So I was doing both of those things. Um, so that, so, I mean, when I look at my whole career of tourism, it's been like, 20 some years. Um, but then I worked with uh, the Rick Steves company for about a, about a decade. And to be honest with you, I've never officially quit because I have a dream of returning someday. I just can't, I, I, I loved doing that work um, and I miss it dearly. I miss the awesome people that were a part of the team and everything. And I've kind of always when I started my own business, I had, I was still working with Rick Steves in the beginning. And then unfortunately I found that our peak seasons were the same. Uh, so it wasn't really, you know, here and there, I was hoping to be able to, to, you know, help out and fill out. And then being a business owner was more work than I expected and all of that. I hear you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so what was it that started you off doing things in Chicago then? Because that was a little bit of a, a detour, you could say. Yes, yeah. yes, in fact. Um, well, I, um, while I absolutely loved my work uh, traveling around doing these multi-day tours uh, around Italy for Rick Steves, I longed for something less transient and more permanent. And I have always been in love with Chicago. I, uh, my family's originally from here. I grew up a two and a half hour drive from Chicago. It was the city I always knew. And I just uh, had this feeling that there was, there was something uh, in the tourism world that wasn't being spoken to. Um, and I felt like I could try to really share what is incredibly unique about Chicago. Obviously the architecture and the skyscrapers and the, these are things that people think of, but there's so much more to this city and, and so much that, you know, I've traveled the world. I've lived in San Francisco. I've lived in Ann Arbor, Michigan, traveled all over. Italy and obviously spent time there and Chicago to me is just one of the greatest cities on the planet. So I kind of wanted to share my passion for Chicago and be able to just kind of share unique stories about the city and its architecture. Um, so uh, so that's, um, that's how I ended up starting a tour company in Chicago. And it was just you when you started, you were the one on the streets beating the pavement doing the tours? 
Yes. And yeah, very literally practically beating the pavement, trying to figure out how, how do, how do you get people to know about a business? Um, yeah, it started out just as me. Um, but very quickly I found that my ambitions were too large, uh, for just myself that I would need, because there's, there's just so much minutia and, and, and just, uh, busy work kind of stuff that has to be done. So, um, I mean, it really was only me for a very short time. I brought on uh, another tour guide so that I could actually go work for Rick Steves. And I brought on um, someone while I was in Italy and, um, and little by little have grown the business. That's great. How many guides do you have now? So we're a team of five right now. At the beginning of the pandemic, I let a couple people go. And uh, now we're kind of actually growing back up again. Actually, no, I'm sorry, we're six. Um, I forgot about another part-time guide that I just brought on actually. So, um, and I guess we're not really calling, we're doing virtual events. So we're kind of more like event hosts uh, um, than, than tour guides per se. Oh, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that we're, we're still tour guides. We may be online, but you know, we're still tour guides because we're still well i guess it has more to do with the format that we're doing so yeah. it's kind of like a mixture of tour guide with these uh we have these various ways that we make our virtual events interactive and fun and um so it's it's hard to come up with a singular word that encompasses what we're doing with these events yeah. Yeah. Well, the way we've pivoted, obviously, I started the Guide Collective and we're trying to do these online events and live streaming from different parts of the world and all this kind of stuff. And it has been, I think it's been actually pretty cool. It's been an interesting challenge. And uh, I think we, I've been shocked by how technology has enabled us to do some really interesting things. Have you had any surprises about this, about having to evolve? Has it been difficult to evolve? I mean, um, it's been fun um, and I mean, difficult, no doubt. Uh, you know, there's a certain learning curve. Like we, when the pandemic hit, we just were kind of experimenting and just threw ourselves into these live events, uh, live virtual tours that we were doing and we didn't know how to use Zoom. But we just kind of learned by doing it and just diving, um, diving into it. Um, but honestly, I think that the technology has opened up some really, uh, really fun dimensions uh, for us. So challenge, yes, but with big rewards as well. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I'm I've been sort of mulling over is, I mean, just this that, that I do every Monday, every Monday, I just find somebody that I like talking to who I know and we have it just a chat and share that with people and it just occurs to me as guides we know so many interesting people we have so many interesting connections and we've never really thought to kind of share that with people and it's that's been one of the great revelations to me is that you know our lives are our lives right you know you just live your life and it's normal to you but our lives are really unusual to most people and so I just think that that's been one of the great blessings of this is figuring out how do we talk about that and share that with people because, you know, how do you market what you do? I don't think we need to sell what we do. Honestly, we do cool stuff and we know we do cool stuff. <laughs> so it's more like, how do we talk about that in a way that people can hear it and understand it? You know, I know you do cool stuff. I, I haven't been on one of your tours, but I'm sure I would love them. And that's the thing is like, how do we get that out there and let people know? That there are these different options. So I don't know. I guess I think that this has been kind of a cool, um, a, an interesting moment. So do you think that when it's all over, your business is actually going to be better than when it started? Um, I mean, absolutely. It's going to be better. What better really means uh, is interesting to consider. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're changing and, um, you know, I've just spent the past nine months making constant rapid fire decisions to keep all of my team in fully employed. And um, I'm, I'm a little exhausted by that. I'm very, very grateful. Uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people 
when all of this was happening were just reaching out to me and saying, I'm so sorry. And, and, you know, let me know if there's anything I can do. And everybody was expecting like Chicago detours to just become me. And, you know, that there would be no possibility. Um, I, uh, one of the great things about all of this is that I've been needing a change as a business owner. And I've been um, incredibly grateful for, while this has been exhausting, making all these decisions and changing and pivoting all the time, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have uh, refigured my business. And I'm still in, we're still in the process of figuring out uh, the exact direction that we're taking the company um, we're absolutely specializing in virtual events uh, right now. This is something that because we got on it very quickly, uh, we learned how to do it and the ingenuity of my team members and our passion for storytelling has really garnered us a reputation in, uh, in Chicago. Um, but where will the company be in a year? Um, it'll definitely be better, as you mentioned, but what better means, I'm, I'm not, to be totally transparent, I'm not fully certain uh, what that means. We are not going to be the exact same business model that we were before. We were doing um, somewhere between like 20 and 40 tours a week. Uh, whether they were for the public, we were doing them for corporate groups, for student groups. Um, and we're not going to exactly do that um, anymore. And we're, we're doing lots of strategic planning. We do strategic planning every, every Monday, actually. Um, and it's, you know, it's the kind of thing that before we did like once a year or twice a year, and now we do it every week. And um, so we're figuring out what does that better mean? And what do we really uh, personally want out of our business um, as we've gone through the trenches this year uh, and um, balancing that with what kind of demand there will be. Because obviously we all know that when, you know, this is safe again for us to do everything, that there's going to be a ton of demand for walking tours, bus tours, travel is, is going to go back to what it was at some point. Um, but does that mean that as a business that that's what we want to do? You know, um, uh, it's kind of like, I think about, um, oh, I always forget the name of this guy. Uh, he's a musician. Um, uh, give me one second. There was this documentary, um, about, uh, L the guy from LCD sound system. And he had, so LCD Sound System was a, you know, just superstar of this really cool dance music, traveling the world. And he just decided to quit and learn how to make coffee. And he <laughs> said, you know, that's what he wanted to do. And you have one life to live. And, you know, he could have, he could have put out the most mediocre album ever, and he would have made a ton of money off of it. Um, but that's what he chose to do. So I'm kind of at a moment where I feel like I've built um, a really cool company. I'm really proud of it. And we'll, we'll see, like, what do I really want? And what does my team really want? And, and where will that take us in the future? Um, we we're, we're, we're seeing, we're trying to figure it out step by step. I think that is a kind of a gift of this moment, though, isn't it that you, you kind of have to, you have to break with the past in a sense. And I mean, I've definitely done that where I kind of go, yeah, you know, that was a great ride. I've had a great ride, but I don't have a lot. I mean, life is so short. And if you sit in the same path, time disappears. <laughs> like how did 20 years disappear? It just did. And I was happy and it was fine, but it was not, you know, I, I just feel like there's so much more I can do. And so, so many more things I want to have done that you can't get comfortable, right? You have to kind of 
you know, get into the uncomfortable space if you want to to make those things happen because, you know, you, you don't live forever. So you got to do yeah, it. Yeah, you have to, as a person, as a professional person or just your own character and identity, you, you have to grow and change. And um, for me, that's what is exciting about anything. So, I mean, I almost, I felt guilty at the beginning of the pandemic about how excited I was about doing different things and having my routine shaken up. Yeah. And I think a lot of people find a lot of security and comfort in routine. Um, but I'm a weirdo that thrives off of spontaneity and lack of structure and, and all of these things. So Italian, trying to rein it in as a business owner and, and all of that is, is a constant um, uh, sort of goal and uh, trajectory for growth. But yeah, you have to, um, you got to mix it up, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I also kind of thrive on chaos, but I also am sort of one of those people that always looks at a at a negative thing as a potential opportunity. Like how can you turn this situation? You can't like wallow in your in sorrow because things didn't go your way. It's better to look at it and say, okay, this doesn't look like it went in my way, <laughs> but how can I change the narrative to make it be something either I can learn from, or is it something where I can take this and, tr and turn it into a beneficial kind of thing? So yes, when you great. say that you're going to change your business then in the future, how are you going to change it? What's going to be different? Um, well, we're not sure to what degree we're going to return to doing in-person tours. Um, we may be fully virtual. Oh, wow. uh, we may, um, we may, uh, chain, we may establish another business and, uh, make that be the virtual business and then have Chicago detours as a tour company. Sure. Uh, we're also looking into a nonprofit business model for the tour company. If we go that route, um, we're also what, what really uh, sets us apart is that we are really storytellers and um, there are uh, a lot of different ways in this day and age that you can tell a story. Um, you can tell it through a tour, yes, and live talking to someone. You can do it through video. You could do it through TikTok. You can do it um, on a blog post. You know, there's so much different ways to put content. And it's always been a challenge because my team is so knowledgeable about Chicago architecture and history. And we love sharing this stuff with people. And then it's like, ah, what medium? There's so many media that you can choose from. So we're, you know, kind of looking at what are the various media that can best uh, use our knowledge and, and be able to, to share that. Um, whether it's that we're focusing on being a content creation company, maybe we're doing, you know, we've had a lot of different um, corporations approach us about telling the, their history. Um, because what's different is that we're not, we, we are historians, we have master's degrees in history and all of that on our team. But really uh, the thing is, is that historians uh, often are very interested in doing research and they're very knowledgeable, but it doesn't mean that they know how to tell a story. And that's what engages people in history. And of course, as being a tour guide, you learn firsthand how to engage people because you are telling them a story in real time. You see their body language, you see their responses, you hear them laugh you learn very quickly how to become a better storyteller when you're a tour guide. So now at this point, you know, I just wonder like what, what could our expertise in storytelling, what are the different routes that we can, we can take that. Um, and also when, when we talk about when, you know, as I'm sharing the sort of how are we going to change as a business and everything, one thing that I have learned, I've learned a ton from Rick Steves and uh, you know whether it has to do with um, I used to work on the research on the books and learning you know how to efficiently organize information and 
And also just from like looking at how he owns a business and, and what it's like to have a business that grew from something small to something big. I, I have no interest in having a large business. It doesn't interest nope. me in the least, um, especially after this year. I mean, the people who are, you know, who have businesses that are still considered small, but have 50 to 100 employees, that is just a level of stress that I have no interest in. So that's also just one of my business goals is to grow very, very slowly, keep it organic, keep it manageable. I don't have insane aspirations. I just want to do what I love. That's so funny because I've come to the exact same conclusion. And that has always been sort of one of my my thoughts about the the company was just the the fact that it it grew too it always grew too fast and as a business owner myself now you know i i could grow a ton i could hire a ton of people and offer tons and tons of new tours next year you know and i have the demand and i know i could do it and i'd make money off of it but that's not what i want to do <laughs> i i want to like offer a something small something manageable and something high quality. And that's the, that for me is the most important thing. It's not making a million dollars. It's not having 25 employees or more. And that's actually one of the things that my business partners and I have been kind of uh, enjoying the thought of is that, yeah, th this is a terrible moment for our businesses. We're not making any money. How are we surviving and all of that? But it's just us. You can't destroy me. I'm one person. <laughs> and being small actually makes you weirdly indestructible as a business owner. You know, isn't that oh, weird? It's like, it's you complete. have less to lose, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, that people exactly. who have 100 employees had to lay off half of their team. Yeah. And you're, you're, at a, you're working at 100% of your team, you know? Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, my kitchen table is completely covered right now with my with my homemade masks I'm selling. And you know, I've got like prints I'm making and like all of these things like I can reinvent myself at the drop of a hat because I'm just me. And so it is a really interesting thing that that's sole proprietor businesses in a weird way are going to have an advantage in coming back because we never we never died. Like you can't destroy us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And that was I was talking with someone about like what will what will small tour companies be like after the pandemic? And I thought, you know, um, there could be some big players in Chicago tourism that could go bankrupt and be very much hurt. Um, but, uh, and also, I mean, we're kind of one of the larger small companies. It's like either we have these massive companies that are doing boat tours, or you have single people that have their companies. And then there's only like a couple other tour companies like mine that are in the like five to 10 person employee range. But here's the thing that I'm thinking is that after this pandemic is done, you're going to have more people who are like, you know what, they lost their jobs, they went through a soul searching uh, experience, and they're going to start up their own little individual tour operations because it's it's low risk. And it's also there's just so many platforms and, and just that it's so much easier to start a solo operation now as a tour uh company than it than it was 10 years ago sure. um but yeah it's so much easier to shift and pivot when you're the only one or if you're a small team and and you know um you you know you have a, a small and collaborative team like i have yeah um yeah yeah so what um what kind of tours uh do you have planned I am going to be doing small groups, probably, um, I would say no more than 12 people for the Italy based ones, uh, the ones that are more international, because I've started doing tours, you know, in Morocco and in Thailand and things like that, those will be bigger, but they'll, they're still going to be small on the scale of, of group tours, you know, 20 people, maybe something like that. But the idea is, I have had this, the question in my mind for at least a decade as the, you know, when you and I started our jobs. We, we were the, the information, like we were the information because there were no cell phones. Like if mm -hmm. people had a question, when was that church built? They couldn't Google it. So we had to know that stuff, number one. And number two, like they had no other way to get that information. So like you needed to be walking Wikipedia. That was who you were. And, but that's not, that's not the world now, you know? And I've been searching 
in my own self for a long time, what is the relevance of people like us? How are we relevant now? Because as you mentioned, there are so many ways to tell stories. And there are so many people out there who want to tell stories and they're using technology to be able to do the things that we used to have sort of, a, we, we cornered the market on in a sense, you know. So what is the relevance of a tour guide now when you can just, you know, Google that church over there and it'll tell you, you know, the, the facts about it. So that's sort of it, what I, where I have come up with my ideas about what I'm going to do in the future, which is, um, I think the, the important things are the personal connections, mm -hmm. you know, it's taking people to places that they would never think to go, you know, introducing mm -hmm. them to people and cultures and different things that, that just are so far out of their frame of reference that, you know, they could go there on their own, but they probably wouldn't. And if they did the information and the, the logistics would be tough enough that it would be no fun, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where, where I want to go is I want to start exploring. If I'm working in Italy, it's going to be more off the beaten path things or much more depth. You would like this. I'm working with uh, my friend Stacy on doing a uh, um, Venice tour where we're going to explore a different sestiere every day in depth. Oh, fun. Yeah. I know yeah, Stacy very, very well. Yeah. It's a very different approach. You know, it's yeah. not like, check, I just want to get rid of the check the box tourism model. That's kind of mm -hmm. what I think is important because that's just not, I don't think that's what people want anymore either. So I could be wrong, but we'll give it no, a shot. I mean, I've, I would say the, so the angle of Chicago detours has always been that we bring people to explore stories and places that locals don't know. And I founded it on the idea of really actually creating a tour company where local people would love to learn more about their place. But then also too, it's that people from afar wanna have those authentic experiences. People from afar, they understand that the Sears Tower or the Hancock Tower are these big tourist attractions, but people absolutely love it when you point out something that they would have just normally walked right by and you say hey i've got a story about this and you share with them something that they're never going to find on wikipedia they're never going to feel that same kind of trajectory that the story takes them through and that is ultimately making a memorable experience for people yeah, and I, I think that, that that's how we keep this job interesting and relevant, you know, is that there you can't possibly know everything, but you can know the things that other people don't know. You can kind of identify, you know, the little mm -hmm. the little things that absolutely. I mean, when I used to work with Rick Steves, I would oh, I'd freak out about like, I don't know the entire history of this temple that we're going by. I don't know every single you know, group that came in and reused it and whatever. And then I just started, you know, really realizing that, I mean, my own personal kind of angle on things is how to visually engage people, how to get them to really look at things and consider how design influences a, a structure, like when we're talking about architecture. So I started sharing with people, talking more about like the experience of looking at a temple and it wasn't a bunch of dates. It wasn't a bunch of facts. And it was just so cool because it was like, you just see a whole other dimension get opened up when you are sharing with people how to enhance their experience, like how to, you know, get the most out of this. I would also do this too with the Sistine Chapel ceiling, because that is so overwhelming for people. I mean, there's crowds. And it's just like the most, you know, mind boggling work of art they've ever seen in their lives. And they've got this, you know, and I just, I started telling people like, you're not, guess what? You're not going to see the whole thing. Like, there's no way I've been coming to this for years and I still can't, you know, and, and really sharing with people, well, how do you, how can you look at this work of art in a way that will hit you in a, on a deeper level? instead of it being a bunch of facts, right? Which is, you know, exactly like when I started working with Rick Steves, I was just like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get all these like details down of the history and remember everything. And it's really more about, it's about the stories. It's about imparting your knowledge. It's about um, opening people up to new perspectives. That's what makes uh, a tour guide uh, relevant. And there's no amount of technology that can ever really, really quite replace that kind of um, interaction. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that your point is is perfect because that's exactly the the where I arrived eventually after trying to learn all the facts and realizing, number one, I can't learn every date. I can't learn every fact. And also the people who are on my tour don't care. Like they don't care that I know every date associated with a particular building. But what's important is why is a building designed like this? Why does it exist? Who was the family that owned it? What is the story behind it? Like, how do you talk about something in a way that makes it interesting, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that that's, that's the most important thing. And when you were talking about um, the toolbox, I always talked about it as a toolbox. Like we, we're in Rome today. Rome is a great place to start by give, arming you with the toolbox for understanding everything so that you don't need me anymore. Because as a tour guide, my job should be to teach you how to look at things, to teach you what it is you're seeing so that when you see the little curly cue on that building, you understand oh, that's a symbol for this and that's from this time period. So I can guess that this building has something to do with that. Like, how do you have the toolbox to put the pieces together yourself? That's always yeah. been my goal. It's an invaluable gift to give to people. Yeah. To be able to open them up to looking at their world in a different way, whether it's just on their trip that they're on, but also oftentimes those ideas are something that they're going to take with them to any any place that they go to, you know, um, yeah. it's really, it's really a beautiful thing. You know, it reminds me of when I, I mentioned to you, I, I worked on this like study abroad program for high school kids. They, it was so hard to get them to want to care about the history that I wanted to share with them. And I was just like, how do I get them to want to listen to me for more than two minutes? So what I did is every church we went to go visit, I went there early and would talk to someone there and find out the stories of the killing of the saint and the relics. So then I could tell them these bloody gory stories <laughs> and then show them the body parts and they loved it. They absolutely loved it. And it's like, yeah, I could have forced on them all this, uh, you know, these ideas of architecture. And I would slip those in there once I got them, you know, in. But you've got to figure out what um, what captivates people. And technology will never be able to really quite, I mean, maybe, maybe these algorithms can get really, really great. But there's just nothing quite like a human being who can respond to you and be able to, and you know, get you wrapped up in a story in a place. Um, there's nothing quite like it. Well, and it's a strategy too. I mean, I always know that when I meet a group, the first thing I do is I read the group. I read who they are, what are their interests, what's going to excite them, what's going to bore them. And that's just a calculation you can only make with a lot of experience and knowing, knowing that. And then you can tailor your information to what you, you can't do the same tour for every single group of people because every single group is, is different. But I always call it the, um, the lucky charms versus brand muffin theory. That's my, that, that's how I stick to my content is the lucky charms and brand muffin theory, which is you have to give people the lucky charms if you want them to eat the bran muffin. So you lead with the lucky charms, you know, which in I my example for my right, and this is, mother. <laughs> yeah, well, it is, it's as a mom, but also, you know, across all the kinds of content that I offer, I try to have that mixture because mm -hmm. what I found, especially as a writer with my own website was that the, the articles that I worked so hard on that I put a lot of passion into that had thought and research and all of that, they get a lukewarm kind of response. Some people would read them, but then I put out my spreadsheet on best travel shoes, which was my lucky charms piece. And it would just like, everybody would share it and everybody was so excited about it. And I felt like garbage in the sense that it's like this, but this was not the thing that I spent my soul on. You know, I really was excited about this other piece that I wrote that I thought was really thoughtful. And then I realized, you know, that's not the point. The point is there are the little things that people just really, that are just pleasure. They just enjoy it. That's the lucky charms. But if you lead with that, and then the next article is this thoughtful thing that you wrote, that's the brand muffin. And maybe they'll take a bite of the brand muffin. If you Yeah, I like that. I like that theory. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like that theory. And the bran muffin is also healthier, right? This, this is how, you know, it's, a, it's got more effect on you long-term. Um, I like it. Yeah. So that's, that's always, I think, the blend of, 
all content, whether you're it's spoken, written, whatever, you know, I always think, and I do that with my kids too. You know, it's like, if you want them to do something, you always have to lead with the lucky charms. So sometimes yeah. literally lucky charms. So good idea. So one of the questions I have for you is just something that's on my mind right now. And that is that now that we've sort of discovered um, this whole world of virtual guiding, and I think we're getting good at it. Honestly, the, the tour that my Thai colleague did, we did a private one on Friday, I was just kind of blown away because it it went well and it was one of those things where you you felt like the virtual experience it wasn't exactly on par with the real experience but it was good enough that it transported you you know mm -hmm. which is a whole new world that I think is being developed right now <clears throat> so going forward how do you see the virtual tours fitting into your eventual business. Is that something you're gonna continue? Do you think that's a market that's gonna exist even after travel starts up again? Yeah, I mean, well, we do, since March, we specialize in virtual events. So we've been doing events for corporate team building. We did them for the entire incoming class at the University of Chicago. We're doing them for alumni events. And now we're doing a virtual holiday stories happy hour, which is like a really cool experience to be able to do with friends and family from afar. So we have distinctly experienced how powerful a virtual event can be. And I say virtual event instead of virtual tour, because for me, I feel like a virtual tour is either gonna be like the format that you did in Thailand last week, where the guide is actually in the spot and showing you things, or how we were doing virtual tours was traveling via Google Street View so that you're actually spatially moving around and you're able to look at different things. We do this kind of uh, mixture of historic images, Google Street View, uh, video animation we've created, all, all these different media, but then we also really create uh, audience engagement. And I believe that absolutely there is an application for this going past COVID. Uh, there are so many more remote workers and uh, they're looking for ways to connect and engage. And so it's about though, a lot of people are doing like online lectures and that only can go so far. Uh, there has to be, there has to be games and creative challenges and breakout rooms and ways that people can actually get to know one another like on our virtual holiday stories happy hour we actually have we have a bunch of audience participation and at one point people get to do a little performance where they're actually a part of the story of uh this historic story that we're sharing and it's hilarious and you know i've done it for families and stuff and people ham it up and it's just so fun so i think that as long as people are using the virtual format as an advantage rather than a disadvantage, then absolutely there is, uh, we're not going back from this. There, there is a, an absolute application for all of this. And, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had a thought, I was like, oh my God, like, I mean, when I first started doing these virtual events, I really wanted to share them with the Rick Steves team because I was finding a lot of success with it. And I figured everybody's got, you know, thousands of emails of their past guests and they would love to hear from them and hear their stories and connect and support them during this time. I don't think I was able to like use the right terminology to try to explain to people yet, like what the format was I was doing and how it was working for me. Um, but um, I, you know, there was a thought in my mind, I was like, this is definitely a thing. There are people who want to travel who cannot travel COVID or not. And this is going to be something in the future that is real. And yeah. Amazon reached out to me a couple of years ago out for a new product that they were testing. And I can now I can talk about it because it is live. I had to like sign an NDA and all this. But what they're doing is they're having, they're doing kind of like what your friend in Thailand did last week, where they're in a place, they have a camera and someone can pay them to walk down the street and someone, and, and they're paying for this experience and they can say, hey, go into that shop. I wanna go buy a thing, or I want you to interact with this person. And they're actually directing the tour guide. And when I first heard about it, I was like, that's crazy. I have no interest in that. Like you know, the beauty of being on a tour is this, uh, you know, actual interactive part, but 
they've launched this product and I'm now like, well, duh, Amazon is Amazon and they know all the research and they're not going to go and put all this effort into a product unless it has some sort of uh, application to it. And so it's like, there are people who cannot easily travel, or there are people who are just love traveling and they're just not realistically going to be doing it every week, whatever it is, there's, there are ways in which the, um, the, these virtual events, I think are always, they're going to keep getting better and they're, they're going to always be around. Yeah. And I, I hope that that's true. And I think that we're opening up the world to people who potentially, you know, maybe ne never had it within their ability to travel, whether it's physical or whether it's something that's, you know, economic. The, the one thing about the, the Amazon model, because I've looked into all of that stuff and what they're doing, and a couple of my other friends have, have gotten um, looped in with that project. They're very sales oriented. Like they, yes, you do this virtual experience. So for shopping, it's a shopping oriented yeah. thing. So it's a little bit different product than I guess what we're trying to put out there. Um, so yeah, well, it's really cool. It's been neat to kind of watch how you've evolved because I think we've been doing the same, we've been doing a parallel evolution uh, with the Guide Collective, kind of a similar thing, but you're so organized and on top of it, I'm very impressed with all the things you've done. Oh, thanks. Well, I'm impressed with what you've put together with the with the Guide Collective. It's really, um, it's really a great idea. Yeah, well, and I, I hope going forward that this is something that that sticks. You know, I really do. I, I hope that we can keep because I mean, the problem also with being a tour guide has always been you have more work than you know what to do with between May and October. Like you, and there's no time for a break. And then you have from October until May with nothing to do. And that's always made me completely crazy because I like being busy and I like having things uh, to keep me going. And so now with this sort of new door open, this could be the way it, things work for us. You know, we, we do work in the high season and in the, in the low season, we program it with all of these wonderful kind of virtual events and tours and things like that. Yeah, so. exactly. Because during low season, people are cooped up in their houses and, you yeah. know, not traveling as much. So yeah, it would, that was one thing that I kind of realized when this all happened. I'm like, wait, how cool would that be if I could actually take a month off every summer and, you know, change my lifestyle in that way. Because well, and you can even diversify Chicago detours to include Italy content now. You could do it virtually. Yeah, we did. We did some world detours, um, and you know, I did some things about Sicily, and yeah, there is the possibilities are infinite, and it's uh, and that's um, exciting and and overwhelming at the same time. So what kind of uh, stuff do you guys have going on right now? What are the, what are your events that you have on offer for people who are watching if they're interested in checking you out? Um, so we have, um, I can share a quick little thing of our website here. Um, we're doing a virtual holiday stories happy hour. And this is something whether or not you're, oh, I need uh, screen sharing enabled. Um, uh, whether or not you are familiar with Chicago, it is super, super fun. And this is going to be, um, let's see here. Go ahead and give it a shot. It should work now. Oh, cool. I got it open now. Um, uh, what is, there we go. All right. So, um, yeah, I need to this will help visually share a little bit. So we say have an elfin good time. Um, so this is, we have, we encourage people to have their camera on, dress festively. They'll learn about Chicago architecture. They'll learn about some of these holiday stories that have worldwide impact. Uh, really, really cool stories that, that come from Chicago that are a part of anyone's holiday experience in the United States, at least. Um, and we have two hosts that are um, make it really fun. We have creative challenges and a really fun mix of historic images and um, animation and everything. And we're doing that. Some dates are selling out. We do them. Um, we've got really just a few left here. Um, it's super fun to like invite your family um, to go to that. And then we also have um, some gifts. So we have like during the um, uh, pandemic, we've done a uh, Chicago architecture crash course series, the recordings of that we have for sale. 
We also have gift cards for our virtual events. And then this Badass Women Journal is a uh, book that we designed. It's got all these, uh, it's got original artwork of women from history and inspirational quotes. And it's super fun. It's a great gift for a badass woman in your life. And um, we're going to be doing for Women's History Month, we'll be doing our Badass Women of History event in March to the public too. So you can like get like a gift card to that. And those are all, they're women who have Chicago ties, but national impact. So it's relevant to really anywhere. So we're really excited about these other, you know, media that we've gotten into um, and um, having a good time with it. Well, and at the bottom of all of it, I think if we have learned one thing in our careers, it's that content is king, isn't it? I mean, it's all about the content, isn't it? Yes. Yes. So yeah, and that, I think something you said earlier, really, it really resonated with me is that it's, it's always about the content, but now we're just aware of all different ways that we can share it that we hadn't really had the time or the need to consider before. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm just curious where this is all going to lead all of us, but you're, you're doing some very, very creative stuff and that's cool. I'm real. I'm very happy and excited for you. I hope that it continues Thanks to a lot. I really, um, I appreciate your support and your interest in what I'm doing. And uh, thanks so much for having this conversation with me. I'd also, I'd love for you to come on the virtual happy hour. I'll send you a little, um, an invite for it. Sure, that would be great. I'd love to, I'd love to join. I'd love to see what you're doing. It's really nice. And the other thing of course, is that badass women need to support badass women and collaboration yeah. is the other thing that I'm learning is just super powerful. I mean, the more we collaborate, the more we come up with interesting ideas, uh, the better off everybody is. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I know a lot of the people who follow you are more um, interested in the European travel. Um, but I hope that um, there can also be some reminders that the United States is like, I mean, the whole world comes to visit here as well for major reasons. Um, there's so much amazing stuff to explore here too. Um, so, you know, thanks for including me as a, as a, as an American, you know, versus a, a foreign collaborator. I'm really happy to kind of, to be able to share that to a, 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 an audience. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us today. So for all of you watching, um, again, this Chicago Detours is Amanda's website. Her name is Amanda Scotese. And uh, there's lots of great things that they're doing. I've seen some of their virtual live events as well on Facebook, and you can follow them there. Uh, and you have little kind of tasters and things like that on your Facebook page, right? Yeah, there's some of our previous events. We've definitely polished uh, what we do uh, enormously, but there are some of our past things on, on Facebook too. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And I'm hoping that you and I can collaborate a little bit, maybe uh, in the future, maybe in January, we can do another event of some kind. And awesome. Just... That sounds great. Yeah, exactly. So thank you guys all for joining us today. Um, and this week on Adventures with Sarah, just a little reminder, it's going to be baking week. So starting tomorrow, I'm going to be doing baking every day. Um, join me at 11.45 a.m. Pacific time. Lisa Anderson in Piedmont is going to make a ricotta tart with me. So please join me for a live then. If you'd like the recipe, it's up on Guide Collective and you can bake along with us. So thanks so much, Amanda. We'll see you thank again you. soon. Bye-bye.